to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number six. Today we are talking about tips and tricks for older students in the elementary music room. We'll also share highs and lows from our school week. And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So we'll be sharing our high notes and low notes from our classroom this week. Uh, I know we didn't have school on Monday because of MLK Day, but do you have a high note or a low note for us, Carrie? Um, I have a high note. I actually have two. All right. So um, my first one is a follow-up to last episode's low note. If you did not listen, I'll do a quick recap that last time I shared a low note that I'm doing a stomp-inspired unit with my fifth graders, and it was the first time I was letting them experiment with using unusual items in the music room, like kitchen items, and I didn't give them enough scaffolding. I didn't give them enough uh direct instruction of how hard to hit the items and <laughs> what to do if they break. And I was very frustrated when I found little shards of plastic shards of plastic all over my room. Yeah. So the high note this week then is, you know, I, I have the fortune of seeing three classes per grade. Yes. So if something doesn't go well, the first Just time you teach, teach yeah. a lesson, you get two more chances, which I love. So um, I definitely changed up my instruction for the other two classes and providing just that extra little bit of scaffolding, extra bit of this is the appropriate way to play, this is the wrong way to and play. And now you're not out of instruments because they're all broken. Nothing broke. Nice. Nothing broke. Everyone was successful. I didn't walk out with a major headache. So my high note uh, is that I was able to turn my low note around. And, and they will listen. They will listen if you give them the proper amount of scaffolding. All of right. course. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Um, my other high note is on the other end of the spectrum. Um, I had just a really great week with kindergarten this week. I'm fortunate enough to get to see my kindergartners. I know some schools <sighs> do, some schools don't. Yes. I see them for a 20-minute class period at a time, so That's it's not like, much. Yeah. But it's enough to get them in, sing a little bit, move a little bit, and I do try to include an instrument in every lesson. And our focus lately has been hearing things going up and hearing things going down. Okay. And we've been relating it to snowmen and how you build a snowman up and then the snowman melts down. And there's lots of great little snowman songs out there that you can pull into Did it. we burst into Once There Was a Snowman? I us? think we did. Okay. And that's one of them that I did. Um, but what I was really excited about was my my uh, formative assessment to see if they were really truly getting it was I had a glockenspiel and I asked them to close their eyes. I played a major scale either up or down and they had to identify. And in the past, I don't know if you've had this problem, but sometimes that's difficult for kindergartners. Well, most definitely. Yeah. yeah, to be able to identify it. And I was very pleased to see that the majority of the kids could identify. Because, of course, they'll confuse it with loud and soft. Exactly. But I think because we had done so much with movement and so many different songs to, to highlight the upward and downward motion, they were actually able to identify that it. That is wonderful. And so I was really excited. So yay. Yay. I cannot wait to have kindergarten because I pack all of my kindergarten class uh, concepts within my first half of the year. Yeah. So... 
I am working on up and down and high and low with my first graders because that's just way, the way it goes. Need some review either way. Well, but. and the comparatives have to happen. If if you don't have those in place, you know the rest of it's just not going to happen. Sure. So, um, yeah, we're we're doing all that in first grade, but it's it's okay because uh, it's what needs to happen. It does. Yeah. All right, your turn, Tanya. All right. High well, note or low note? I actually have another high note, and Yay. it's related kind of to getting, well, definitely is related to getting kids prepped to go to instruments mm -hmm. because um, t today, actually this week, not today, but uh, this was the first time that we've gone to um, the ORF instruments, the xylophones, metallophones, and glockenspiels uh, since we've been back, which we won't, haven't been back for very long. Yeah. But, um, you know, I really wanted to make sure that I got them on instruments and I did that with first grade, second grade, and third grade. Uh, fourth grade are moving and grooving and doing some folk dance things right now. So got to pack those instruments up and I can't have them out. It's right. I have a very large room. I'm very lucky. However, I know better than to have like instruments set up when we are really, when I've got two long way sets going on and yeah, we're going all over the place. Yeah. So anyway, with the first, second, and third, um, as we were going to instruments, I always want to make sure I remind them about some rules going to instruments. We don't step over the the instruments to get there. We hold the mallets like handlebars, making sure our pointer fingers don't stick out. We bounce on the bars, all of that good stuff. And mm -hmm. sometimes in the past, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm talking too much. Let's just get to it, right? right. Which is always that balance because I'm sure that's how you were feeling when your your With instrument fifth grade shards were happening yes. right well um and like you were talking about having uh three different classes of the same grade level a lot of times what happens is that i will totally excuse me in my your phone little, is dinging float, phone <laughs> dinging um a lot of times i will uh forget certain things the first time around i was like oh that's right i got to remind them of this cuz this will happen type right. of thing well um i was happy to remember something that I started doing, gosh, but I think probably a year ago that has been really successful. And it, and it's, it's, been, it's just a tiny little thing that, uh, especially with first graders, well, actually first grade, second grade, any old grade, before we go to instruments, I have all the instruments set up and, uh, sometimes I'll call them by the floor line staff line line that they're on in their line staff or sometimes I say if you're wearing a hoodie go to an instrument mm -hmm. but before that I'll say okay as you look around you know you know these instruments with your mind and your eyes pick your first choice don't go there just, just think about it okay now you don't always get your first choice so why don't you have a plan b what's your second choice oh look at that Make eye contact with that instrument. Think about your second choice because that might be what happens. And guess what? Any adult will tell you sometimes you don't get your first choice or your second choice. So and make a third. third choice. And I know this sounds like a little tedious, but I tell you what, ever since I've started doing this, I don't have anybody throwing fits, crying, having bad feelings. And, and it seems like such a small thing that maybe you wouldn't have to do that. But whenever I do this, 
things go so much more smoothly. Yeah. Yeah, today it was very cute because I had one of my first graders go, I have 10 choices. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that was fast. And that's a little bit more um, positive and student-friendly than you get what you get and you don't throw a fit, which is my traditional (laughs) mantra for such situations. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I – I never say that exactly. I will say, you get what you get, and you don't throw a rhythm stick, if I'm passing out rhythm sticks. Oh, I'll say, you get what you get, what you get, and you don't throw a flashcard, if I'm, and then they all Aww. look at me quizzically. They don't get your humor. No, no, they think it's kind of funny, but at least <laughs> I know they're listening. Nice. Yeah, so that was my, you know, vaguely high note. I like it. tricks for older grades in the elementary general music classroom. Yeah, exactly. And by tips and tricks, we just mean um, it's it's understood that a lot of times it can be hard to engage those older students. So uh, I teach sixth grade and so does, so does Carrie. Yes. And um, I've been teaching sixth grade for, for many, many years. I've never not had sixth grade. Next year will be my first year. So Sixth graders, fifth graders, and even fourth graders can, especially this time of year, start to kind of develop, how shall we say? Attitude. An attitude (laughs) that uh, maybe they feel like they're beyond this. Too cool for school. Yeah, and and it's interesting because if you are new to the school, then you, you might have some issues with, well, we don't know who you are, we don't trust you, we won't do this. Oh, yes, and this was my experience. Right, and then if you've been around, which is my experience, because I've had a lot of these kids since they were, um, you know, first Teeny. graders, and it, that does work in my favor m- much of the time, but then there's also this pushback of like, oh my gosh, I have been seeing you since I was in first grade, lady. <laughs> what uh, what do you have for me now? What's because, new? yeah, yeah. I, I'm over it. Right. Right. So, yeah, and I am I started in a new school last year. Previously, I taught at a school where it was only K through 5. And I went into this new school where I was going to have 6th graders thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do with these 6th graders. I was way more nervous about it than maybe I should have. And yeah. what I've come to find out, I feel in my experience, is that the 6th graders are just like the 5th graders were at my last school. Right. And my fifth graders are just like the fourth graders were at my last Whoever school. Whoever is the top grade, <laughs> they are going to have that senioritis kind yeah. of syndrome, which which can go both ways. Because I also find, especially mid spring to the end of the year, they actually get kind of sweet again, because mm. I feel like they they know they're leaving, and then they kind of get nostalgic and sad. Have you had this? Yeah, happen? yeah, definitely. Where yeah. the grade before the oldest grade, mm-hmm. so in our case, it would be our fifth graders now. They're really pushing it big time because mm-hmm. they're trying to establish themselves as the cool kids and the right. top kids. So I tend to actually have more problems with my fifth graders than my sixth graders now. Interesting. But, but yeah, I do see me. that in the, like <laughs> the, the waning months of the school year where the sixth graders are like, that. this is why I have sixth graders who want to play snail snail exactly. outside in May. Yes. Right. Yeah, they want to have that little bit of of elementary school because they kind of know that when they're going to middle school, some of those fun and games are not going to be there anymore, which is, it's sweet then that they look to us to have that fun. Yes. And, you know, I just like to put in right here, and I've said it before, and I'm I'm sure I'll say it again, that um, above all, don't take these things personally. 
Definitely not. I mean, <laughs> take them seriously as in make sure you're engaging the kids, mm -hmm. right? But there is no need to, um, you know, browbeat yourself about, oh, they don't like me. They don't like what's going on. And I mean, I've been there. And this yeah. is why I feel comfortable saying this because a lot of times developmentally, this is just where they're at. Oh, yeah. And you could be, you know, shelling out the coolest I don't know, whatever they're into at the time, you know, the dubstep with like lots of dabs going oh, on. No dabs. And then they would <laughs> like hate it. Yeah. So it's not it's about you. From, it's just from an adult. Yeah. And not from them. Exactly. All right. So on that <laughs> note. <laughs> well, and, and then the other thing I wanted to say is that I think this is a very needed thing to talk about because it comes yeah. up all the time. It does. In Facebook groups I see. Um, what do blogs, I do with I see, my older kids? What do I do students? with the older kids? They won't do anything. They hate everything. And yes. um, just understand that that's that's a natural thing. Yes. Right. So I do like to keep them singing. Absolutely. And it's something that is uh, a paramount 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 thing in my room since first grade. So I'm able to keep that going. This is how we are musical without any instruments. Um, we keep singing and it this can be harder because they are becoming a lot more self-conscious mm -hmm. puberty might be happening puberty yes. might have happened and then uh younger and younger also you have the issue if you get those boys um that you need to you need make to comfortable help, yes you need to help them feel comfortable with their yeah. voice wherever it may be wherever it may be and uh so we were going to list a few of the big hit singing games yeah. that we have both had uh, successful times with. And let's see. You Do you want to go first? Do you uh, want me to go first? Well, let's, I'm looking at my list. All right. Well, I'll, All right, go, I'll, I'll go first. So <laughs> that's okay. Um, so a couple of songs that I found success with with fifth and sixth grade are songs that involve the kids passing the beat in a clapping motion. Right. So these are games like I know many of you might know the Down by the Banks of the Hanky Panky song where the, the students have their hands out and it's hard to explain. The without. right hand is on top of the left hand. Thank you. This and is... then as someone <laughs> taps your right hand, then you're, you're passing the beat you're all the way in the, the circle. Beat. Someone taps your right hand. And right after that, your right hand makes an arc, a rainbow to your left hand. Ooh, and here's a little fascinating thing. You will notice that the kids who are, are struggling readers, they have a really hard time with the crossing the midline yes. when you are doing these passing games. Yeah, it's, oh yeah. You, you might need to um, give some extra assistance because that is definitely something that I see yeah it's, it's interesting yeah so I, I tend to do these games right at the beginning of the year kind of welcome back um, to get them to connect hands right away I always make sure in every lesson regardless of what grade they're connecting hands on that very and first I day. love that word connect yes I'm very emphatic yes. about using the word connect hands rather than hold hands or even touch hands mm -hmm. because it makes it less scary yes so uh, I, I do the song a quack 
often with uh, fourth graders or maybe fifth graders. Um, it's a song from Israel. It and was founded by Rita Klinger. Or she's was. the one who collected it yes. and brought it back to us. Yeah, she has a wonderful publication through Oak of um, Israeli singing games. Yes. Highly recommended. So in the song of Kwakwa, uh, while we're singing, we're passing the steady beat around. And something that I just find that works well with my students is kind of this reverse psychology method where I don't tell them to start singing. I just, I'm singing the first couple times while we're playing the game and their job is just to simply pass the beat. And I tell them to make sure the beat remains steady and just focus on the game. Well, without really telling them or prepping them in any way, I just kind of start to notice that as kids start to sing, because there's always a couple who are more anxious to join than I just start to drop out and awesome. I don't make a point of it I don't make a big deal out of it because heaven forbid if I say and now it's your turn to sing then they they might not right this is my students they they can be a little bit snarky when it comes to things like that so that's that's kind of my technique is is for for singing games like this is to have them focus on the game first or the activity first and that the song kind of sneaks in and then the beautiful thing about a qua qua is that at the end there's the counting part, yes. which can get faster. Yes. And they will naturally, because it's spoken, they will naturally chime in with that. We should sing it. We should. Here we go. Ah, qua, qua, della, Omar, qua, qua, qua. Del simo, trico, 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 tra. Valo, 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 valo. One, two, three, four, five. And if you get five, you're out. Yeah. But, and yeah. And then you can kick it up a notch where I, I usually don't do this the first couple times we play, but after we played it a few times and they're ready for something new, then I allow them to, if you're the student who's about to get the five, get the clap on five, then you're allowed to pull out your own, your hand, mm -hmm. forcing the person next to you to clap their own hand and then they're out. Right. But I save that rule for a couple times down the road because then it just adds something new. That's, yeah, that's a good technique. Yeah. I don't. I'm just like... Whoever gets tagged on five, well, what exactly. if I move away from my hand? Well, then, you know, the person who hits their own hand, they get out. Yeah. But what if they move their hand? I'm like, well, then they'll hit their leg and they're out. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you can come up with your own rules that work well in your in your own situation. But um, the, the melody is, is very singable. Um, we talk about how the words are, they're actually just nonsense words. Well, we're going with vocables lately. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So, um, but the point being, there's no, like, grand message in this song. It's just exactly. it's a singing game for the sake of it being a singing game that's like dooby 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 doo exactly -la 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 -la. um so that's always a favorite and when i do you know choice days throughout the year where they get to choose which games they want to play that's always one that pops up right which cracks me up because we play it on day one so i feel like that's the one we've played the most aren't you sick of it but no they yeah. love it well it's the competition yeah bit. exactly yeah and along the same lines there's another song that tanya and i learned from melissa roth yes when she came out and did a, a workshop for us out here in Colorado she, a um, long time ago. Yeah, and <laughs> I even heard it from her at an Oak conference before that. Oh, yeah, maybe yeah. it was there. Well, um, it's the same type of game, but it's just a different song. Um, the song is Tarzan the Monkey Man. And did she collect that from her students? I can't remember the story now of how she mm -hmm. collected it. Yes. Okay. And thank you, Melissa, because even though I, I think I met you personally once very briefly, but this song is just an absolute favorite for mm -hmm. fifth and sixth graders. We and should sing it, shouldn't we, Tanya? Sure. Okay. okay. Yeah. It goes. 
What, I'll find a pitch. Here we go. Tarzan, the monkey man, swinging from a rubber band. Splish, splash, take a bath. The color is what? So then the student who gets the clap on what chooses yes. a color. And I have to I have to put oh, in a little thing yes. that um, I kind of changed that up a little oh. bit at the end. Okay. It, that's not exactly the original, the very end. Oh. Is not exactly the oh, well, original I do your that version. I learned from Melissa. Oh, so okay. I just want to be clear. If you know Tarzan the Monkey Man, straight from Melissa. <laughs> this is the Tanya version. Yeah, that was the, the little variant that I, you know. Oh, all right. Well, I learned it from Tanya, so okay. that's how I know it. So the student who gets the clap on what then chooses a color, hence the color is what. And then we spell what other whatever color they say. So if they say blue, then we spell B-L-U-E, and they're clapping while they spell. And then whoever gets the last letter is out. And then you could do the whole pull your hand out thing again. Right. But just that added twist of spelling the color, then you can kind of predict who's going to get out. They like that. And they like to really pit. It, it becomes boys against girls every single time. Really? Yeah, which I think is just so hilarious. If in my, I always use this with sixth grade because uh, it's just a fun thing to say for sixth grade. And we add, I add a simple fourth arrangement to it. Oh, we yeah. can do like, you know, a broken Bordeaux and... You know, uh, but they like to come up with colors that are really challenging. Yes. So they'll say like aquamarine. Yes, turquoise. Right. Is always a favorite. But what's really if I, when I I've done this with like fifth grade, they'll say that and then they can't spell it. Oh yeah, that's so. my rule. If you can't spell it without me, right? You know. And then and color. then we like then they lower the bar and they're like red. Yeah. So that's kind of another reason why I like to do it with sixth graders. Because they um, make it more challenging They make for it themselves. more challenging, yeah. And do you ever have it where they get themselves out by accident? Oh, my gosh, no. Oh, I love it when that happens. When wow. they just, that's a when long they, word. Well, or they're just not really paying attention, and they'll say blue, and they're the fourth one around. And Oh, okay, day. so when it's really. So, yeah, I mean, it it's down. truly like a duh moment. And it's yeah. hilarious because then we all laugh. Hey, I would do that. Even I, I the kid be able to who cut himself out will laugh. And it's just one of those really fun moments that happens, and we all have a good yes. laugh. And a lot of these games that we're going to mention that are good for older kids, we are specifically not going to go into musical elements that you are pulling from these games, although there are, there are several, yeah. and a lot of these are good for older beginners, like if it's your first year to school and you want to make sure everyone is on board with specific rhythms and, and that kind of thing. But a lot of these are meant to draw the kids in and things that they will really enjoy singing things to get them on board with like oh my gosh I can do what we're doing in music I like this teacher I like what we're doing I'm mm -hmm. all in yeah so yeah just songs that are fun for the sake of being fun are okay exactly <laughs> a lot of times the songs and games that kids like it's really about the game um so like rabbit and possum is one that I uh like to pull out because they love the game so much and it's kind of a silly song uh, it goes, rabbit and the possum going up the hill. Rabbit knew the possum had a $40 bill. Rabbit said, possum, let's play seven up. Rabbit grabbed the money, but he's scared to pick it up. Rabbit hit the possum, possum fell. Rabbit grabbed the money and said, fare thee well, fare thee well, fare thee well. And they play it like Marco Polo. So they're all standing in a circle and we sing the song, um, usually with some complex uh, multi-level beat motion. Oh, fancy. And then there's a kid in the, two kids in the middle. One is the rabbit, one is the possum. And the 
possum is blindfolded because the possum lost his money, can't find the rabbit, and the rabbit is not blindfolded. And the possum, after the song, has to call out, rabbit! And the rabbit has to respond by calling out possum, like, I'm here. Ah. And then um, the rabbit can keep calling out, I'm sorry, the possum can keep calling out for the rabbit and then has to tag the uh, rabbit at some point. And I usually give a time mi- time limit for this. And uh, then an advanced version is that you blindfold both the rabbit and the possum, so which is a lot of fun. So there, the thrill is in the game. You want to get to the game. But they, they latch onto the song pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And a whole other category of songs that really appeal to older kids is songs in a minor key, of course. Yes, they love minor keys. Yes, even the most simplest um, call and response like, Old house, tear it down. Who's going to help me tear, tear it, it down. down? Bring me a hammer, tear, tear it down. down. Bring me a saw, tear, tear it down. down. Next thing you bring me, tear, tear it down. down, is a wrecking machine. Tear, tear it down. So those kind of things um, are a lot of fun. Uh, my kids like that one. We love Holloway Joe, and we do an ORF arrangement just, you know, with instruments. It can be very simple. You can really build it up to be really complex. Um, and Ye Tupteram is another one that, ooh, gets these both categories because it's in a minor key, and it's a got fun this game. fun dodgeball element to it. And yeah. I'll put a link um, to that. A lot of people have featured Ye Tupteram. I am going to put a link to Alien Miracles. Um, feature of YouTube Duram on her blog. So those are some really fun songs that appeal to older kids. But then you don't have to just appeal through the singing. Right. Right. So what are other things that you've done? Yeah, I found especially being at the new school last year that, you know, because my students hadn't had a lot of um, experience singing with their previous teacher, it just wasn't something they did a lot, that I knew it was going to be a battle, maybe not always worth fighting exactly. and there are plenty of songs and games that they that they do and they enjoy but it was fun to pull in some other things that didn't necessarily involve singing so lots of flashcard games particularly rhythm flashcard games because I've been doing a lot of work with drumming and rhythmic elements with my older students so we do a lot of flashcard games and um, those are always worth doing to get them reading melodies and reading rhythms of course yeah some of their favorites um, include King of the Mountain King of the Mountain is a really great competitive game, and I know some people who have played it with younger students to success, but I find that I like to kind of hang on to that one. I like to save it till they get a little bit older. So um, the gist of King of the Mountain is that all the students are sitting in a circle, and each one has a rhythm card sitting in front of them. The king, who has a, a specific rhythm, I always do it where it's the rhythm ta, 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 ta. But you could certainly do it in different ways. I know, Tanya, you do a variation, correct? Where well, you, it depends on whatever depends el- on. element right. we've been working on. So if we've been doing um, the syncopated pattern, tita, ti, or syncopa, then I'll make the first card be syncopa, ti, ti, ta, right. so that that card gets said a lot because yeah. it's the king of the mountain, and we're just really enforcing and reinforcing that um that concept yeah that works so it can be any rhythm you want um and then the king or queen if it's a lady will say their rhythm first and then they'll say someone else's rhythm in the circle and then it's just a chain effect then if your rhythm is is said then you do your rhythm and then someone else is in the circle and you just keep bouncing around like that and the idea is that um if a student makes a mistake 
reading his or her own rhythm or another rhythm, they get bumped off the mountain. And if you get bumped off the mountain, you move away from your card. Your your card card stays. stays. That's the biggest thing to remember. And then anyone lower, so you have to decide if you're going to go clockwise or counterclockwise. But anyone lower than that person scoots up to that card. And then inevitably you end up with your bottom spot, which is directly next to the king or queen, is where the student who gets kicked off goes to. It sounds a lot more complicated than it is, yeah, but we have the directions posted. Yes, and, that'll um, be on my blog, and I'll link to the blog in the show notes Yeah, with the uh, directions for King of the Mountain. And they just they love it because of the competition factor. Absolutely. And if you really plan ahead... Um, you can pass out those cards so that the harder cards are near the top of the mountain yeah. and those easy cards are near the bottom of the mountain. Right. And um, uh, our cards in our district, because we have a district set of rhythm and melodic cards, um, they are color-coded. Mm-hmm. So like we've got uh, quarter notes, eighth note, uh, quarter rest patterns, ta, tt, and rest patterns on green cards. We've got like second grade rhythms on blue cards, third grade rhythms, you know, as defined by our district curriculum and it lines up pretty well with the Kodai sequence that I use. Mm-hmm. And so um, by the time we're in fifth and sixth grade, I'm using lots of different colors yeah. when I do King of the Mountain. And so it's really fun because it's very easy to um, make sure that those green cards are near the bottom of the sure. mountain because you still want to be practicing those, of course. Right. But you also want to make sure they have those challenges. And the kids who have been in my room and played games with these cards they're like oh give me a green card I'm like no way man you're getting a red one (laughs) red card or I've had the rule where if you if you have a green card then you have to say a different color yes we do that too yeah so that way you can't just keep saying the easy card I call it color mix up I say okay now now that we're in round three we're gonna level up and you have to say a card a different color from the one that you have yeah so if you have a green you got to say a different color if whatever Yeah, it's just a great game that has, you know, a basic, you know, framework, but then you can individualize it. I know some people have done it where the kids just clap the rhythms Mm -hmm. rather than say them. That levels it up a bit. Yeah. Or you can have them play it on a non-pitched percussion. I've I've done it on a recorder before. I was going to say, yeah. I've I've not done really hard rhythms with recorder um, on King of the Mountain, but I have, like, used half notes, quarter notes, eighth notes with recorder, and we assign each note value a pitch. Oh, okay. So we'll say like, okay, if it's a quarter note, if it's da, it's B. If it's TT, it's A. Wow. If it's a half note, it's G. That's really fancy. Yeah, well, when you start, neat, though. everything's B, right? Sure. So they get used to it by everybody's playing B, and, and that's fine because they're used to that. Or actually, it'd probably be better to start everybody playing G so it's not so, uh, you know, painful. Right. <laughs> So you can mix it up. Right. And then once they get the hang of that for a couple of rounds, you go, no, now let's really make it, let's, let's up the ante and let's make it G's and A's. Yeah. Right. So you can do all kinds of things. Um, Yeah. So you can take that. I've known high school teachers who have taken this into like their choir room. Oh, absolutely. It'd be a great warm up activity. It is a good warm up thing. Another really great uh, rhythm or melodic pattern game is uh, the poison pattern game. Yes. Another game that can be played in a variety of ways, but the basic gist is you have one pattern, one card that's the poisonous card, and I usually play this after we might just read through a set of flashcards real quick, just read through, you know, maybe 10 or so, just as rhythm practice, and then I 
flip them upside down and have a kid just pull one randomly out. Oh, or maybe I kind of stack the deck and pick a certain card oh, that yeah. I want them to know. Um, but then I post it up, and that's the poison pattern. So the gist is I clap a pattern, they clap it back. But if it's the poisonous pattern, they don't clap, they don't say, they have to freeze. And if they make a sound, they're out because mm -hmm. they're poisoned. Um, and some people have played this where it's just uh, strictly oral. That's ten t typically how I play it, mm -hmm. where the poison pattern is posted, but everything else is just done orally. I know other people have done it visually. Yes. And so you have a set like that, don't you, Tanya? I, yeah. In my teacher, teacher store, um, I have a poison pattern set called Watch Out for the Cheetahs, which is just a little joke that's attached to the poison pattern. It's very dorky. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Why is the jungle... Um, Oh my gosh. Oh, why don't the animals in the jungle like to play cards? Why? Because there are too many cheetahs. Ah. Oh. Yeah, I know. It's so yucky. Yeah. Uh, the kids, it takes them a while, so that's fun. Uh, but yeah, so there's the, the cheetahs pattern, which is poison because the cheetahs are trying to cheat you. They're trying sure. to trick you. Yeah. And so it goes through in each slide. They're reading a new four beat pattern. Mm -hmm. And then when the cheetahs pattern comes up, they can't say that one or they're yeah. out. And so that's a way to read it. Um, and you certainly can have good success with those kinds of things. And mine, of course, is not the only one that's out there. There's lots of poison pattern games by other people. But doing it orally is a great thing because you can do it on the fly. Mm -hmm. So if I have this happened the other day, I had two classes in the hallway because the art teacher had to run and get something, of course, and I let him because he's my husband. And, you know. <laughs> so it's me in the hallway with two classes, and, of course, the classroom teacher's we they were running to tad late because they were in a meeting together and you know it all that stuff that happens and so i was like okay here's the pattern so me rado everyone sing it so me rado okay now don't sing it don't hand sign it or you'll be out yeah so we'll leave um, directions for that in the blog post though uh for how to play poison pattern if you want specific directions but it's it's a lot of fun and the kids are again the competition aspect they just love that yeah. Um, one other one we'll throw out there is uh, the game Go Fish is another absolute favorite of my students um, where you take a bunch of cards and you put them in like a designated circle area and uh, the students are standing around the circle and I'll just say, okay, this student and this student, it's your turn to go. I will say a rhythm and then they have to race into the pond and each of the cards are like the fish in the pond, whoever taps the fish first gets to gets to keep playing and whoever does it is out. So I play it like an elimination style game and we go around round one or round two and I, I'm always amazed because I think, oh, the students who have to sit down and out, are they going to start getting bored and start, you know, causing trouble? But they don't because they love the game so much and they really want to see who the winner is going to be. Do you so. let your kids help each other? Like, no. oh, it's over there. No. No. That's one of my strict rules is I really don't let yeah. them. And there's so many variants of that sure. game. Yeah. yeah, you play it a little differently, right? Um, I, I hand out things to tap it with, like, you know, seasonal wands. Oh, yes, yeah, so some... the blinky things. And, and then there's the blinky wands, which I have a love-hate relationship with. Because <laughs> while they are fun, they can distract and, well, sure. um, you know, take away from that. But I know... Amy, who just did a session and included this game, she does it where they have teams. Mm -hmm. And so they're collecting cards for their team. Oh, yeah. And um, once upon a time when I started playing this game, I used to have everybody go for it. 
Oh, which was a bad idea. Don't do that. Yeah. So (laughs) I learned my lesson the hard way. Don't have 30 kids dive diving in. I also like to use um, multiple cards of the same pattern so that lots of kids, you know, are able to to get that. So I might pass out like five or six bonkers or five or six wands Mm -hmm. and I'll have like three or four of that pattern out there. So there's more than one chance to get that. Yeah. Yeah. So they like that one because it's very physical. So I think they like that whole diving for it, chasing for it aspect. Yes, they do. Anytime they have a, a excuse to like get rowdy like that is a yeah good well and I know that we both like to use instruments quite a bit absolutely and yeah. especially in the older grades yeah and I really try to save you know some of my goodies for the upper grades so yeah. I'm lucky to have a set of uh Remo world music drums oh uh, yeah. the tubanos um not enough for every child to have one but I'm close and then between the tubanos, and then we can fill in with some you other throw a few on agogo bells, exactly yeah. <laughs> shuckeries. So um, yeah, and so I've just I've used the the Will Schmidt World Music Drumming curriculum, but then I've also tried to tie it in where they're maybe not in a traditional African style, but more of a a Kodai inspired version where they're actually doing rhythm patterns that we've learned in class or we create our own drum ensembles by layering multiple rhythms on right top on, of each yeah. other. So they're actually incorporating some of the elements we're learning about in class. So um, yeah, the drums are a big hit. Yeah. I might, you know, sprinkle them in here and there with the younger students, but I really do like to save them for my fifth and sixth graders so they feel like that's their thing. Yeah, Their definitely. own special thing. It's good to have that special thing. Uh, I do keyboards. I'm lucky enough that I've been collecting keyboards over the years. So now that I have a class set uh, where I'm able to set them up on the perimeter of my room, I'm very lucky to have a large room. Mm-hmm. So I tell you, there's not a lot of folk dancing going on when the keyboards are set up. Uh, they don't take up all the room. You know, I can do some... Of course, I still have a, a space that we can play games and do some things, but we can't do anything. Like, there's no troika going right. on when the keyboards are set up. But I do that, like, right after spring break, really because I need, like, half a day to set up the keyboard lab right. area. And um, I have a really good set of books that kids can work through independently that were created in my district. So uh, it's great because it comes when they, when they open it up. From the very, very first book, it's just like, ooh, here's two black keys. Here's three black keys. Let's play all the black keys. Let's let's play the two black keys. Now let's play the three black keys. Now let's find D in between. And and it, it also brings them through some folk songs that they already know. Yeah. So I like the, one of the first songs is, Down came a lady, down came two. And then they're reading first really with finger numbers, and then they put it on the staff. And I really like the sequencing it does. And it's a very independent study. And with sixth graders, because I do this with fifth graders and sixth graders, right after spring break, when they come in and they are on the keyboards, it's it's just the perfect time for them to be like independent yeah, I agree. in their learning. I do it similar as well. Yeah. Just that little chunk after spring break. They just really seem to like that feeling yes. of self-worth and accomplishment yeah. that they get with it. And I have keyboard quizzes for them, so there's accountability there. And anybody who's been taking piano lessons, I'll either um, ask them to bring in their materials so we can set up what quizzes they're going to do, or um, if they don't bring in their own materials, then I put them in one of the books. Because 
the book set that we have has like a prelim preliminary book and then a book one, two, three, and four. And so somewhere along there, I can put them in a book and they can start um, reading from there and be at their appropriate level. So it's a really great thing at that time of year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm also lucky to have a set of guitars in my classroom. I have Ooh, yeah. 12 acoustic guitars. So again, not enough for every child to have their own. They usually end up having to partner up one guitar for every two. But that's actually nice because it gives their fingers a break. Yeah. Because especially when we start, they're, oh, our fingers hurt. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Unless, you know, some of them play a string instrument in our, you know, school orchestra program and that helps. But most of them complain a little bit the first couple weeks. So it's good to have them with a partner because then it allows them to help each other and work together and correct each other because, you know, it's hard to walk around and correct everybody. Yeah. So if they're there to correct each other and listen to each other, that helps. And um, I've, I've just been using a, a really basic... I think it's an Alfred guitar book, mm -hmm. but um, you know, one of my goals as I'm at this school longer is kind of like what you mentioned with the keyboards is bring back some of the folk songs they were singing younger and either add chords to it or learn to play the melody or both mm -hmm. um, and really incorporate that Kodai sequence all the way through with yeah. the instruments. Yeah. But they really love the guitar. Again, I saved that one for sixth grade just because their fingers are a little bit stronger oh, yes. and that then becomes their special instrument. They know that when we get to sixth grade, that's going to be their thing. Yeah. And so we're doing our guitar unit right now, and we're having a lot of fun. The kids yeah. like it a lot. Um, in fifth grade, I uh, do alto recorder. So they've had third grade and fourth grade recorder experiences. And then in fifth grade, it's a whole new world with whole new fingerings. Yeah. And, and a lot of fun because then we can attempt to do some recorder consort, consort um, ensemble pieces. That's fun. I mean, I wouldn't say that they're really, um, they don't get really polished, but at least we can do some some duets, some very simple duets between soprano and alto. And so that's a fun thing that only fifth grade get to do because um, I have been saving up over the years. I get, I've gotten like two or three altos each year and until I had a class set. set. Yeah. Yeah. section where we share a recommendation personal or professional um, and what do you have today for us Carrie what, what are you gonna share so I am going to uh, mention the 2018 National OAKE conference is coming up soon. That would be the Organization of American Kodai Educators. Yay. It's going to be March 22nd through March 25th, and it's in Oklahoma City. And if you've never been to any sort of national conference, it's just such an amazing experience it's to go awesome. to a yeah. national conference versus a state conference. Not that state conferences aren't wonderful. They are wonderful. There's always great presentations there. But it's just a different situation when you're in a national conference because yes. you get everybody coming. Oh, and it's yeah. wonderful to meet and greet and network with teachers from all over the country. And the presenters are always top-notch. So if you are considering going, I highly recommend it. It's I will be, be there. Um, the early bird registration is 
February 3rd. So if you're go, on the go, fence, go. <laughs> get that registration Hopefully you're listening right to away. this before February yeah, 3rd. Yeah, yeah. So um, feel free to uh, message us on Facebook if you have any questions about that. But it's a, just a great conference. At, or you can go directly to the Oak page. There you go. Yes, yeah. org, and they have all the information And it's there. a great, great time. And it is. It's time and money well spent. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Tanya, your turn. Okay, well, mine's kind of tiny, but... Um, <laughs> We are coming up on the 100th day of school yes, that's at my right. school, at many schools, yeah. right? And uh, one thing that I like to tie in with the littles is the book, The Ants Go Marching, which um, I have a copy of The Ants Go Marching. I'm sure there's different versions of it, but the one that I'm referring to is a child's playbook. It's one of those big board books that's got the holes in it. Oh, right. Right. And so this one is really illustrated very well. And the reason I use it for 100 days is because as they add ants, um, by the end page, you have 10 at the top and 10 down the side. And it's a, you know, kind of a grid of like 100 ants. Oh, fun. So by the time the ants are marching 10 by 10, you've got 100. And the little one has this little yellow t-shirt on and you can find him through each page and I tell you what all it takes is one verse of the ants go marching one by one hurrah hurrah and then they are with you and singing that whole book oh they love that yeah by the second ant all the way to the end so if you're someone who can be um, a little bit tired of the catalog songs or the cumulative songs don't worry the kids will chime in and do it for you <laughs> so usually by the time I get to like six I'm not singing I'm right. just letting them do it. And yeah. I've got to fill in the, the rhymes about what the little one's doing at this point. But, right. you know. And I was just looking it up on Amazon, and this book is like less than $10. Oh, it's a steal. It is a steal. It's a great book. Great. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. Check back soon for our next episode, which will be all about our favorite songs, games, and activities to teach steady beat and meter. Until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie, wishing you happy music game. Bye.